Join me for a hymn sing at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference, Friday, June 16th, and Saturday, June 17th, at Concordia University, Chicago. This year's theme, Things Above. Learn more and register at issuesetc.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is brought to you in part by the Lutheran Heritage Foundation. LHF is a recognized service organization of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, dedicated to translating and publishing the books of our Lutheran faith into more than 100 languages for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world. Learn how you can take part in their work at lhfmissions.org. Welcome to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Wheaton. There's going to come the day of accounting when we will no longer be manager over the master's property. That's the day of your death. That's when you lay down your stewardship. That's when you have to face the one whose possessions and good gifts you've enjoyed your whole life long. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a daily verse-by-verse Bible study with the church, past and present. Pastor Whedon is leading us in a study of the Gospel of St. Luke. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Greetings, people loved by God. You remember we wrapped up the parable of the lost sons last time. We heard about how the older son coming in asked what's going on. And he wasn't at all amused when he heard the arrival of his brother back home had occasioned all this ruckus. He flat out refuses even to enter the house. His dad goes out and talks to him, tries to coax him in, but he cried out his own, not fair, daddy, not fair at all. He lays his grievances before his father. He's been a faithful son. He's done his father's bidding, but he never was given a party like this. But when that son of yours, remember he disowns him as his brother, comes back, well, he gets the royal treatment. And this, despite having wasted the inheritance he received on prostitutes and the like. Now, above all, remember how kindly, how gently the father responded to this. He knows that his older son is feeling unloved, taken for granted, overlooked. So he lets him know that he's always with him and by implication that he's delighted about that and that everything he has belongs to this boy now. But still, it was right to rejoice and to be glad because his brother who had been dead is now alive again. And consequently, the lost has been found. The older brother standing in for God's ancient people is thus invited to enter into the joy of the gospel itself with the Gentiles. The continuation of the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter, beginning at the first verse. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So, summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, 
How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Luke 16, verses 1 through 9. Let us pray. Blessed Lord, since you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort from your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So you're ready to work through these verses? Let's dig into them. Verse 1. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. Now, notice that this joins right to the parables we heard in the 15th chapter. It sounds very much as though it's the same context, since we're not given any intervening events. If that's so, then the criticism Jesus received for welcoming the tax collectors and sinners is the setting of this parable, too. And that makes sense. For the scribes and the Pharisees are indeed accusing Jesus of having been unfaithful in his stewardship of his Jewish heritage, of not living as they thought he ought to live. We're not told in this story, you might want to note, whether this charge against the manager is actually true or not. We know, of course, that it is not true that Jesus is shady in any of his dealings, but aren't we all also managers or stewards? So if he called the Pharisees and scribes to account for how they have dealt with the possessions which God has entrusted to them, how would they fare? And what about you? What about me? If the owner, God himself, were to call us to account, what would we find? Verse 2, And he called him and said to him, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. Again, this is true for us all. There's going to come the day of accounting when we will no longer be manager over the master's property. That's the day of your death. That's when you lay down your stewardship. That's when you have to face the one whose possessions and good gifts you've enjoyed your whole life long. So also for Christ himself, who was the sole faithful manager and steward, who knew what the will of his father was. As he's preparing to die, remember, he gives to the thief on the cross forgiveness. This is, after all, St. Luke's gospel. Verse 3. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I am not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. The manager, knowing that the loss of his management, his stewardship, is imminent, 
takes some serious thought about what he must do. He knows his own weakness. He's not strong enough to actually do the sorts of manual labor that could earn him some cash. And he's frankly ashamed to become a beggar, to go around living off of other people's pity and charity. So what's the solution? Here's what he comes up with, verse 4. I've decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. He's going to spend the little time he has left in his position to actually be a blessing to other people, so that when he gets the boot, they will bear goodwill toward him and welcome him into their homes. He's been accused of cheating and lost his position because of it. So in a way, he seems to say, fine, I'll make it come true. Verse 5. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? That's an odd question, right? I mean, Surely, the one who was in charge of the books knew exactly how much each owed. But every time he asks the debtor for a figure, he's making his point, right? Verse 6, he said a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So when the fellow says that he owes a hundred measures of oil, he looks at him, smiles and says, oh, no, you don't. Then here, take your bill. Fix it. Quick. Write 50. Whoa, cut in half? Really? I remember when my wife's grandparents had pity on us when we were at seminary, and they loaned us the money for a car, a little Toyota Tercel. Love that little hatchback. And what a shock after we had made several payments to them to receive a sweet note in the mail. You don't owe us anything. Here's the title. The car is yours. Wow. That's just how this man must have felt. And since this is the manager doing this, it's all above board, right? The manager has charge of the master's goods. That man walked away with a smile on his face. Verse 7, then he said to another, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your pill and write 80. Same deal. He didn't treat everyone the exact same way, but the pattern is clear. This steward or manager is remitting debts. And now comes the shocker of the parable. Verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. So he doesn't commend him for his dishonesty, but for his shrewdness, his clear foresight. Here's St. Augustine on this, the author of City of God and the Confessions. Why did the Lord set this before us? It's not because that servant cheated, but because he exercised foresight for the future. When even a cheat is praised for his ingenuity, Christians who make no such provision blush. Verse 8 continued, For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. That is, the folks who have their worldly expectations, they get how to act in a worldly wise way because of them making provision for their future. But Jesus, who is still addressing the matter of the Pharisees and scribes objecting to him, lavishing the Father's love on outright sinners, those guys are not taking thought for their future. And way too often, we join them in that. We forget about the day the books are checked over by the owner. So Jesus' conclusion is simple, verse 9. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth 
so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. He calls the wealth unrighteous, not because it is that in itself, but unrighteous in the use we so very often make of it, using it solely on ourselves and for our own desires, never stopping to ask, hey, what is God's will that I should do with this? Jesus says that we should use this world's goods in such a way that on the day of accounting, we have witnesses around us to the sort of use the master's goods were put to, a use that delights his heart. So St. John Chrysostom in the fourth century, he said, what excuse will we have if we heedlessly lock our money behind doors and barricades and we prefer to leave it lying idle? Instead, we should make it available to the needy now so that in the future, we may count on support from them. And of course, Jesus dispatching forgiveness of sins so freely and so lavishly was not wasting his father's goods. He was doing exactly what his father wanted him to do, what he sent him to do. And that's how he summons us all to live. Remember how we heard him teach this earlier in the gospel, Luke 6, judge not and you will not be judged. Condemn not and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Now that's where we're going to stop for today with an exhortation to take thought for the day we lay our stewardship aside and give an account to him whose property we have been administering. Next up, we'll hear Jesus warn more about faithful versus unfaithful use of money and the utter impossibility of serving, that is worshiping, both God and money. This is yet another time you cannot have your cake and eat it too. And the Pharisees scoff at all this because they actually did love money. Jesus tells them they're all about others declaring them just, but not really concerned with the one who sees down into their heart and the abominations that live there. Then he mentions that there is no contradiction between the law and the prophets and the good news of the kingdom. The law, as the expression of God's unalterable will, is more permanent than the universe itself. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, Jesus brings up divorce. What gives with that? Till next time, people loved by God, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Word of the Lord Endures Forever with Pastor Will Whedon. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a listener-supported program. You can donate by check, make your check payable to The Word Endures, and send it to Box 616, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also make a secure online contribution at thewordendures.org. The Word of the Lord Endures Forever is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.